Good morning, gorgeous. How are you ladies doing this morning? I hope you're all doing wonderful. This is your host, Dr. Michelle Daff, and you're listening to a Feminine Impression Podcast. In today's episode, we're going to be discussing a book review that I do live on my YouTube channel for the month of March. In the month of March every year, I created something called March into Faith, where we as ladies can get closer to God. And this year, we're going to be reading the book, The Esther Anointing. The book is written by Michelle McLean Walters, and it talks about the life of Esther from the book of Esther in the Bible. Then twice per week on Mondays and Wednesdays, I go on live on my YouTube channel and everyone who read the book or just wants to listen in joins me for discussion. And it goes into the life of Esther. It talks about how we as women can influence our generation with the anointing of Esther that God has bestowed upon us and how we can transform our lives from being women who have gone through many, many things and turn that pain and that trauma into triumph. So what I'll be doing is uploading the audio from the live videos. So it will be a live audio recording that you're hearing, but I want you to also be a part of that conversation just in case you cannot join us on my YouTube channel. So go ahead and sit back, relax if you can, pick up the book, The Esther Anointing. It's on amazon.com so that way you can follow along. I hope you enjoy it, and I will talk with you ladies soon. Hi, ladies. Welcome. This is my first live ever, 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 ever on YouTube, so I'm super excited. So we are here to talk about the book, The Esther Anointing. And this is written by Michelle McLean Walters. And it talks about femininity, courage, purpose, and having a relationship with God. We're going to discuss chapter one today. However, there is an introduction. And that kind of propels you to read the book. It's so good. So definitely read the introduction before going to chapter one. For those of you who don't have the book, if you've read the book of Esther in the Bible, then you know the story. And if you haven't, then just pull out your Bible, okay? And read the story and you'll be able to understand everything in the book if you know the story of Esther. So, you know, the book is fantastic, but if you know her story, then you'll understand what we're talking about. So what I'm gonna do is just kind of give you a brief overview of the story of Esther so you can understand who she was and how God is still using women in this exact same way today, including you. First of all, this book, the book of Esther, is a book that combines all of the different things that God did for a young lady to bring her into a position to be used by God for his glory. So she was a woman who was born and her parents were not around. So she was an orphan and she was raised by her cousin, her older cousin. And at this time, the Jews were living in Persia. It was after King Nebuchadnezzar had taken them away and they decided to stay there. So they had kept all of their Jewish traditions and she knew God, but she was living in a culture that was a mixed culture in a sense. Just kind of backing up for those of you who truly don't know the story, the king at the time, he had a wife 
and there was a party that he threw. The party lasted a really long time. And during the party, while he was drunk with his friends, and I'm very much summarizing for those of you who are not even familiar with the Bible, uh, and um, he was just kind of, you know, partying with his friends and they wanted his wife to come out. So he requested for his wife to come out. Her name was Queen Bashti and she refused to come out. Now, I don't know why she refused to come out. I don't know if it was because she just didn't want to be around all those drunk men. If there was a reason behind it, she, she, she was throwing her own party, by the way, with the women. But she refused because she refused. And the uh, counsel of the king reminded him of what a disgrace and dishonor it was for that to happen. And if she doesn't respect her husband, who's the king, what are the other women going to be doing and thinking? And so he decided that she was not allowed to come into his presence anymore. And they decided to look for a new queen. And that's where the story kind of begins. So I want you to read the story on your own so you understand it. But that's how Esther's story begins. So they start looking for girls to be able to come into the palace and get trained to become queen. And the king was going to decide who he wanted to pick to be his queen. Now, a lot of people hearing this might think, wow, it sounds so amazing. It sounds so wonderful. Like, a modern day Cinderella story or a modern day bachelor, but unfortunately it depends on how you look at it. In some ways, yes, and in other ways, no. And I believe that the author does a really good job in this chapter of talking about how that wasn't always necessarily the case. So I'm just gonna quickly read this chat really quick. I heard she didn't come out because she didn't like to be treated as a doll. She didn't want to be treated as an object. She danced around drunk men. Yeah. I mean, and I'm sure, you know, it probably wasn't the first time that she's been called out during one of his parties and just being paraded around like that. I mean, I guess she was just, but obviously it was God's hand in everything. And that's what's so important here is to understand that Anything that goes on, God's hand is always in it, even though we cannot see it. So to us, it's like, yeah, she just decided not to come out. But truly, God's hand was working through that. And so, and we will talk about the Esther fast. Someone asked a question about that because that was a big part of the story is her fast. Okay, so in terms of why Esther's story is important, because again, she gets taken from her life and thrown into the palace to possibly become the queen in a culture that's not her original culture and um, having to do customs and things that she's not allowed to do because she is Jewish and having to transform her identity. And so it brings us to kind of talk about the idea of being transitioned, especially after an abandonment. So Esther was born and her parents died when she was little. So she had trauma at a very young age. And if that wasn't traumatic enough, having been taken, which is what the author talked about, being taken, that in and of itself caused, could have caused trauma. These young girls are being taken at nighttime and leaving their families, not knowing if they're ever going to come back. 
And I think to myself, what if she had a boyfriend? What if she was dreaming of getting married to some guy in the town? And here she is now being taken away from that and truly having no idea what is expected of her and what her life is going to be like. You know, that sounds really scary if you think about it, you know, that way. Um, And yes, God always does have a plan. So she was taken into the palace and she was having to rely fully on God, rely fully on the God that she knows, the one and true God in terms of believing that God was going to somehow make everything okay. Because I'm sure all of the girls were scared, but they didn't all have anything to cling on to. And that that is a major issue, especially now in this climate. You know, we all are called by God as women to be more. And we're a lot of times put in situations in our lives that cause us trauma, that cause us to never feel like we can pursue the things that God's called us to. And every single one of you ladies, every single one of you was created and designed specifically for a purpose. And in the book, she calls us ladies God's secret weapon. And it's a secret weapon in a sense that as women, a lot of times society downplays us and downplays our power, even though we all know that we have so much power. It's just the way we exercise it. It's not always abrasive and upfront, but the enemy has done a very job, a very good job of allowing women to think that they have to be like men. Like we have to be like men in order to be powerful, in order to have an impact, in order to be taken seriously. Like we have to act like a man and talk like a man and be abrasive and loud and, um, you know, just lose our femininity in order to be taken seriously when it's actually quite the opposite. When God designed you, he knew exactly what he was doing. He knows that he designed men in one way and women in one way in order to work together. We have that polarity in terms of our characteristics so that we can fit together. And so the things that you don't have are the things that men are seeking. And a lot of times allows everything to flow perfectly. And so that's why a lot of times women who maybe do have the courage to be able to take on the things that they wanna take on, sometimes hit a brick wall, whether it's a relationship, whether it's a job, because they don't have the femininity. They don't have the ability to even humble themselves right? To be able to hear from God and hear how God wants them to do whatever they want to do. And they're just one track minded and just trying to do it all on their own and do it like a man. So, and that's something to think about because the enemy has pinned men and women against one another instead of allowing us to work together to bring out all the things that God has for us. So, In terms of trauma, though, because she did experience trauma, that is also something that we as women struggle with. If there had, and it's not just women, it's men too, but my channel is for women. So we struggle with. If we've gone through any trauma in our lives, that then becomes the highlight of our life where all the things that we do, we take it back to when we were five years old, this happened to us, and that's why we act like this. 
or sometimes a trauma happened when you were older. It wasn't when you were a child. It was something that maybe you made a mistake and then it caused something else to happen. And you think, well, I guess that's it for me. Like I have this bad history. I have a bad past. I don't have what it takes anymore. I lost my opportunity. And those are all lies that the, that the enemy puts inside of you to make you feel like you can't. And something I've noticed is that a lot of women, and I say women, but I really mean everyone. A lot of people um, have these beautiful and amazing gifts and the enemy does not know you. The devil doesn't know you. However, he does know and see certain things that could be amazing. And he knows God. He knows how God works. And so a lot of times the very thing, the very thing that caused you the trauma or um, caused you the pain is the area that God wants to use to be able to just brighten up your life and to be able to make your life um, purposeful, to use to advance you to your purpose. So it's like a soft spot. We don't want to touch it because it's painful, but it's that very thing. Um, for example, let's say you are really good with people and you love talking to people. You're really popular. You're sweet, but you use your popularity and your ability to talk to gossip about people, to tell lies about people, to just, um, you use it for, for bad things, right? A lot of times the enemy will do that so that you mess up your reputation, you mess up this beautiful gift that you have, and you've like perverted it for something so negative, but it was meant for you to be a speaker or for you to be a teacher or for you to be a mother, whatever it was, it was meant for something good, but he tried to use it to hurt you. And that's the case for so many of us, that very thing is the area that God's going to use to allow you to blossom. And every every single one of you has a gift, has an area that God wants you to touch, to be able to touch other people. And he designed you perfectly for that. So the way you look, where you were born, the color of your skin, you, the parents you had, the experiences you had are all connected for your purpose. So you must not abandon all the things that you had as dreams because God put them inside of you for a reason. So I just wanted to touch on that. And okay, so just kind of going on with the chapter, if you've read it, and again, we're talking about the book, The Esther Anointing, reading chapter one. So she had to leave what she knew, and her name was Hadassah. At the time, her name was not Esther. That's going to come up later, but she had to change her name because, again, she was taking on a new identity and she didn't want to reveal her new identity because her cousin who raised her, her father figure, told her not to. So she truly had to leave her heritage behind so that she could blend in. And that is something that's also, to me, a huge, huge, huge area of transition for people. A lot of us have to change who we are or change parts of us or hide parts of us for different things. And some of us just have to transition without being ready. So maybe you were younger and you had to leave, maybe your parents were in the military or you were in foster care 
and you had to move a lot and you constantly had to go from one city, one school to the next. You're constantly having to get to know new people, get to, um, you have this sense of anxiety of not knowing if you're going to fit in, if you're going to like the community. And as a kid, you know, you don't have a lot of power, right? Or maybe you're an adult and your job is asking you to move or your husband's job is asking you to move. And now you're somewhere brand new and you don't know what it's going to be like. And you have that sense of anxiety. It's a lot to, to move, but it's also a lot to move from one culture to another. So if you've moved from, you know, some of you said you're from Haiti and from Africa, having to move to another country. And some people even try to hide the fact that they're from somewhere else. I know growing up, coming from Ghana, a lot of Africans um, would get made fun of at school. I have always been very proud of being from Ghana. <laughs> so I would like announce it all the time, but I would I would have family members when we would go out together, they would get upset with me for telling people that we're from Ghana because they themselves were hiding that part of them. They didn't want people to know that they weren't just African American, they were they had a different heritage. They wanted to fully adopt being African American and hide their heritage. And so you know, a lot of times it causes a lot of anxiety within people to decide which one I want to identify with and how do I do that? How do I hide it? Um, and it can cause a lot of stress. Uh, but again, every single thing that happened to you and happened through you is all of God's plan. And there's no need to ever hide the person that you are because God created you perfectly. And to hide it or to feel like it's not for you is an insult to the creator because he it, you're insulting his work you're insulting his wisdom and saying that you know you can't be your best self by his design you have to change it so um that's also a super important point and just also understanding and peace is that God will always work through your trauma. He will always work through it. Even if you cannot see it, he will always do it. And in the book of Esther, it's the only book in the Bible that does not explicitly talk about God. And in terms of saying God's name, God is taken out of the book. You have to find him. You have to figure out, oh, that was God. In the same way you have to do in your own life. You go through life every single day thinking that things just happen. Nothing just happens. We live in a spiritual world. Everything is spiritual. And that's why it's so important when you wake up every day that you start your day off with prayer. Because from the very beginning, the moment you wake up, the enemy is going to try and distort your day and take you on the wrong path. So waking up and asking, you know, God to bring heaven down to earth, allowing his plan to impact your environment and your day is the most important thing that you can do for your day. So um, God is always working. And so even if you don't know what's going on, you can't see what's going on. There's always something going on in the spiritual world that's happening here in the physical world. So Yes, no one no one knew that, you know, God was doing certain things in this book unless you can see it through your spiritual eyes. And 
in terms of the trauma and in terms of going through things that are very, very scary or difficult in your life, it's not to be undermined. Trauma is different for everyone. Some people may consider something you don't consider traumatic, traumatic. And just being a psychologist and being able to see how different people react to things. Sometimes there's a tragedy in one family and there's two siblings and they're maybe a year apart. And one of them is just so traumatized and needs tons of therapy and support. And the other is able to manage and they're fine. And they say, okay, well, let's put both of them on the same track. Let's give them both the same things. And one of them truly doesn't need it. Everyone handles situations differently, even if it's the same exact trauma. So um, it's you can never underestimate someone's trauma and say, that's not a big deal. It, it was a big deal for them. And when we go through trauma, it can be very paralyzing and bring a lot of fear. Even if it's something like a car accident, you've been driving your whole life and then, you know, God forbid you had an accident and now it's like you're, you don't ever want to drive again. Right. And that is, that is the enemy putting fear into your heart and making you feel like you're not capable of living your life effectively. Cause now you're going to have to find all these ways to get around. Right. So just understanding that God is greater than all of your fears and he will never leave you and he will never allow you to be hurt. You know, if you seek him at all times, you will understand that a lot of the pain that you went through was for a purpose. Everything you go through is for a purpose and he will get you there eventually if you seek him. I was talking to my cousin and we talked about how God can take you, like if you think of a GPS, right? You can go through one route and you can go straight there <laughs> or he can go a different route and take you through all these ups and downs and loops, but you're still going to get there. If you seek him, you're still going to reach that destination and you're going to have a very different experience on your way there. But one thing that God promises is that he will give you beauty for your ashes. I don't know if you've ever heard of that beauty for ashes, but what he's saying is that all of the bad things that happen, all of the ashes, all of the hurt and the pain and the trauma that you've experienced will be used to give you that crown of beauty. He'll give you that spiritual insight for you to say, oh, that's why it had to happen. That's why. That's why I had to meet this girl because then we got into this terrible fight and it allowed me to be able to stand up for myself. And now I can teach young kids in the preschool class I teach how to stand up for themselves. But everything is always connected. The only way you won't see the connection is if you're living in that trauma and staying in that pain. And this happens very often in relationships, if you dated someone and this person treated you really bad or physically abused you or cheated on you, and you're so stuck on that trauma that you can't get over it. You know, you're fantasizing, you're having dreams, you're stalking their page, you're stalking their new girlfriend, you are reaching out to this person, you're trying to find out reasons and why did you do it? And, you know, just, you're just stuck there, right? Or you're dating people who are just like this person. You keep dating the same man over and over again. 
because you are looking for him still. You haven't learned the underlying reasons behind that. A lot of times it stops you from being happy, truly having joy, because you you want this person to get what they deserve. So as long as you don't see that they're punished, you're not going to be happy because you're constantly looking backwards, right? That's something a lot of women struggle with is feeling like all men are going to be like this guy, not being able to trust anyone, not being able to believe that they're worthy of having a wonderful man because they're stuck with this past trauma. So this is a bigger concept than a lot of people think because not everyone understands why they are the way that they are, what's happened to them along the way. And leaning on God and allowing God to work with you and allowing God to tell you like, this is why it needed to happen. That's how you get your crown of beauty. That's how you're able to stand tall and say, I forgive this person. I don't want them to have a bad life. What they did to me was terrible, but I understand why I had to go through that and truly letting it go until you don't, if you don't do that, the enemy is always going to have a grip on you and you're always going to be in prison. So it truly is um, to your benefit to be able to see the beauty in everything you've gone through. And um, that scripture, if you want to look for it, is Isaiah 61.3. That's Isaiah 61.3 if you want to um, read the scripture about how the Lord will give you beauty for your ashes. So yes, in the book, she does give an example about a woman who had a dream and different things went wrong and how the Lord was able to still direct her to fulfilling that passion that she had at a young age. And something that's important to remember is that everything that God's put in your heart is there for a reason. Whatever you were born to do as a woman, all of you have something you were born to do. There was a problem you were created to fix. Whatever that issue was, everything about you and about your life has been designed for that purpose. So in terms of that uh, story, it gives you an example of how someone went through different things to accomplish her ultimate purpose um, as a woman of power. So, okay, I'm just going to read some of the comments, see if anyone had anything to say about that. Yes, everything manifests spiritually. That is true. But yes, you have to reverse your mindset and your mentality. Exactly. And so... Moving on to, um, I don't know, you can tell me in the comments, ladies, if there is a dream that God's put on your heart from a young age, I would love to know. Because a lot of times we abandon it because our parents want us to do something that's totally different than what God's put into our hearts, or we, we tried and it didn't work out, so we gave up. Many times, you know, teachers or people in your life will tell you, you can't do that. Or you're not even smart. You're not good with kids. You're not, whatever it is that people will try to tell you. Um, it's sad because it really does stick with you and makes you question whether or not you can, or you are, but the enemy can work through anyone, anyone. It doesn't have to be some crazy stranger on the street. It will be like your best friend or your dad or your mom or someone really close to you that will try to push you down because they can't see it. Well, God didn't give it for them to see. 
And unfortunately, sadly, the enemy uses those people to push us down often. So you really have to seek God so that you can have that confirmation. But let me know if there's anything that you've had on your heart as a young person that you chose not to pursue or you chose to pursue it and you're finally having that real joy. I know uh, for me personally, when I was younger, I used to dream about, I used to always, I've always had a a heart for women and, and children. Mostly I would say children that were in poverty or, um, had like, I would say like abandonment issues, children who were in foster care. I just always felt really angry that there was such a huge gap between the people who had money and had the resources and the people who didn't. And it just always bothered me um, that people couldn't get information and couldn't be empowered because they didn't have the right parents for it or they didn't have enough money for it. And so I dreamed when I was little of having like a beauty pageant to be able to empower women um, who were in areas that were impoverished or women who were in foster care. So I wanted to have a beauty pageant for foster girls so that they could get all pretty and beautified and teach them how to speak, teach them how to walk, um, teach them how to live in their elegance and give them scholarships and things like that. So that was a dream I had. And unfortunately, I forgot about it over time because it just seemed like it was like, how am I ever going to do that? And I let it go. But as time went on, you know, God took me through ups and downs. I actually did a beauty pageant years ago and it did not go the way that I wanted it to go. But I ended up later on being in a relationship with someone I met through doing the beauty pageant. And that relationship was really, really... I would say it was life-changing because of all of the trauma and the hurt that I experienced through that relationship. And after that relationship ended, I poured everything into God. And that's when I was able to start getting close to God and understanding that I needed to trust him. I was not nearly as close to God as I am now, but that was the beginning of it. And he took me through all of these different things. I went through school. I got my doctorate. I was able to work with children, but it was working with their mothers, the children's mothers that allowed me to regain this sense of like, okay, I need to help women because I'm seeing these connections. I'm seeing what's going on here. And I have the background for it. I have the, you know, the expertise for it and I love people. So If you watch my video, Feminine Reflection, I talk about some of this and I go into more detail. So you should definitely watch that video if you haven't. But in that video, I talk about how God brought me back on my YouTube channel to this topic. And although I don't have a beauty pageant, I've been able to do essentially what I wanted to do in the pageant, but through my YouTube channel and touch everyone. And that's why people ask me, um, you know, if I do like private services or, you know, private courses. Right now I don't. I really wanted everything to be free. And I I know that some people think it's that's a little crazy because I'm giving information for free. Um, but at this time, I just want, that's always been important to me. 
you know, even if you don't have enough money to go take a femininity course. Um, and to me, I also don't even know, you know, who's teaching those things. I don't know what their credentials are. I don't know what they're teaching. It's so private, you know, you don't really get to, to see. I wanted something that could touch everyone all over the world, even if you didn't have a dollar. Information is all you need. So um, I feel like God used a lot of all of that trauma and used my experiences, my education, everything to bring me to where I am now and fulfill a different, I, the same dream, but even in a bigger way than I could have imagined. So that's kind of um, a little bit about my story. Now, in terms of the book, for those of you who've read, oh, okay, I'm starting to see. I kind of want to read some of your comments about different dreams. Dreams of having children and being married, ended up doing it the wrong way, got pregnant with a man you weren't in love with, and lived in the poor ever since, so you're healing still. Yes, I understand. Well, that's something that you definitely, definitely have to pray about because you will. You will be married. You will be married and you will have more children and you will be able to have enough money to live a life where you're happy and excited. But I would definitely say that you need to seek God and, and pursue the thing that he designed you for, because whatever God designed you for will be effortless to you. It will be what he created you to. So I love Dr. Miles Monroe because he explains this so beautifully, but a bird does not have to think about how to fly. A fish does not have to have to think about how to swim. That's literally what they were designed to do. He put flight in the bird. He put swim in the fish. So whatever you are is what it is that, you know, whatever he put inside of you is what it is that he purposed you for. And so whatever that thing is, it's going to be completely natural. You don't have to look outside. You, it's all within. So you do have to find that thing. And when you find that thing, you will not be poor. You will not be poor uh, because you will be excellent <laughs> and you will have God backing you up with it. It'll be so natural for you. Um, if I was solid and knowing who I am as a child of God, I wouldn't have done it. Okay. Yeah. So she was being impatient. I understand. That's a lot of us are really impatient and that blocks our blessings because we don't get to go through. We don't get to learn everything God needed us to learn before he gives us what we need to have. In the book, there are declarations that she wants you to say to allow yourself to be empowered by the things that God's put on your heart. But I first actually want to read. I want to read just this beginning part because it's so powerful for those of you who don't have the book. It's just, it really helps you understand that you were made for more as a woman. You were not just made to, you don't just exist here because of some kind of scientific accident. <laughs> you have a God who loves you, who designed you with fear, with perfection and looks after you every day. And when you open your heart to getting to know Jesus and loving him, he will open your eyes. It is a gift. He will open your eyes so that you can finally see how much he loves you. So I'm just going to read a, a portion of the book. It says, I believe that this is the season when the beauty and power of women will be on display. 
Decades of oppression will come to an end. Satan knows that when women discover their true identity in Christ, his evil kingdom will come to an abrupt end. I believe that the body of Christ will see a manifestation of what Psalm 6811 declares. The Lord gives the command, the women who proclaim the good tidings are a great host. A strategic time in human history is coming when God will give a command and an army of women who proclaim the good news will arise in the earth. Not at all like the feminist movement. This new breed of women will not attempt to carry out their mission, copying the dress and the behavior of men. No, quite the contrary. These women will be arrayed in the softest silk and elegant high heels, and they will be armed with resolve, wisdom, and true discernment, understanding that the true enemy has been Satan and not men or one another. They will embrace their femininity as a blessing and as a gift from God. I believed that we are this new breed of women. The devil has blurred the lines and devalued the power of being feminine. We don't have to hide our feminine qualities and compete with men to accomplish our purposes. We must develop a clear understanding of who God created us to be. We must get a clear vision of God's ideal and make his standards the standard by which we live. We can't buy into the lies that say male standards are the standards. We must emulate to gain respect or fulfill our purposes and find our identities in this society. Only Jesus has the key to our true identities. And I thought that was so powerful. Um, again, just understanding that we don't have to be like men. And I do believe, I do believe, and God put it on my heart at the very beginning that this was something that was going to just turn everything around, that femininity was going to start being embraced, that I needed to arise <laughs> and help women with this. Because for those of you who don't know, I've been on YouTube for a very long time. And when I first started my channel, it was on femininity. And I was not really interested in it. I was, but I just didn't, I had a different attitude at the time. I was not speaking with love. I was speaking with annoyance. Um, I also did not want to deal with all the backlash from people. I wasn't mature enough to be able to deal with the people who had something negative to say about it. And I also didn't have the Holy Spirit like I do now. So I didn't have a lot of power. I was speaking, but there was no power behind it. And I'm so thankful that, you know, now being that my relationship with Christ is so strong and the Holy Spirit is able to work through me, these videos I create are not just videos. I get messages every single day from dozens of ladies telling me that they are actually changing, that these videos, the Holy Spirit is truly changing them as they are watching. And that is such a blessing. Um, because you can listen to something and it, it will not move you if it does not have power. And so it's important that you don't fight being pulled into God's love. The Holy Spirit, if you watch my videos and you feel like 
something inside of you rising up and you, you know that this is God talking to you, or maybe you don't have a relationship with God, but you just feel something pulling you in. That is God. And you definitely should not fight it because you're being stripped of all of the things that have been put on you, whether or not you realize it. So it's something to be embraced. Being a woman is a blessing. Being a woman is absolutely wonderful. And having femininity and allowing yourself to love being a woman is so exciting. And people in real life are drawn to you. Women are drawn to you. Everyone, everyone is drawn to you. Women and children, animals, everyone wants to be near that energy. It's so powerful. And you don't have to do a lot. And I'll talk about this more in other videos, but I know a lot of the content um, here is mostly just about the way you look. And it's actually so much more than the way that you look. Being feminine and having femininity is more of your actions. It's more of how you say things. What kind of spirit do you have inside of you? Do you think about other people? Are you compassionate? Are you the kind of person that want to make people feel comfortable, that wants to empower other people, that wants to listen and can listen? right? That's really important. And just like you'll find when you read the story of Esther, you'll, you'll start to see she had to be willing to listen. She had to be willing to humble herself and listen to what her cousin told her to do. Because if she didn't, and she was like, oh, I'm not going to listen to you. I don't listen to no man. No man tells me what to do. If she were to have acted like that, things would not have gone this way. She had to learn how to keep a secret, not a not a secret that's not supposed to be a secret, a secret that is going to elevate her into the position she needed to be for God's glory. She had to learn how to keep her mouth shut, right? She had to be willing to do something that was uncomfortable for her in order to make it through and listen to the authority that God put in her life. So all of this is necessary in order to be feminine. You have to be able to have wisdom and love in your heart to put other people first. I know we talk about, you know, being a receiver, which is also important. You have to learn how to receive, right? Information, guidance, gifts, everything. But you have to also learn how to give because giving is better than receiving. And the way that you give is, is an art in femininity. And when you learn it, then you'll, you'll start to see why some people have it and some people don't. A lot of it is a choice. So for example, I'm going to be doing a series soon on femininity and marriage because that's something God has put on my heart. <laughs> and at first I was just like, I don't want to, I don't want to do, I don't want to talk about that. And he's like, Oh, so you're not, you're not going to, you're not going to do it. Cause that's why I made you. So if you're not going to do it, then <laughs> So I am going to do it. And in that series, I am going to talk about things like timing. As a feminine woman, you have to understand that it's not always what you want. You have to think about other people. So if you're married and you're upset with your husband, but you know he has a meeting today and you just want to get it out and you just go and you tell him like whatever you're mad about. And now he's all irritated. He, the meeting doesn't go well. 
all of those things are things that need to be learned. Like there is a time to tell someone bad news. There is a time to ask for things. There is a time to discuss family business. There's a time for everything. And you have to be able to think about the other person, how it's going to affect them and be wise about when the best time is to do things. And that's important. Being able to not have an attitude either until the time comes, but be pleasant and just wait. So you'll learn why that was important in Esther's story and how she had to wait for the right timing to, I don't want to say confront, but to approach her husband. All of it is important. So um, let's see, your channel has definitely changed me. You're reaching women of all ages and 45. It's never taught about femininity. Yeah, you know, I wasn't taught about femininity either. I wasn't, I saw, you know, different things that gave me clues, but I wasn't taught about it either. And I made a lot of mistakes and that's how I was able to learn. And because I didn't know a lot, a lot about it, I tried really hard to figure it out by watching people, by watching people, mostly in movies, because typically when they cast women for movies, they cast feminine women. So almost I would say 90% of the movies out there, whoever the main woman character is, is going to be feminine because that is how society pretty much expects you to behave because that is your true nature. And that is the most attractive to men. So in a movie, the man is going to be attracted to a woman and that woman is going to be feminine. So if you want examples, watching movies is very helpful. There was a movie I saw the other day um, well, maybe not the other day, but I cannot remember the name of it, but it was with Mia Long and it was about a bank. It might even be called the bank, but her husband was opening these banks. And there was a scene in the movie where her husband bought this couch, I think it was. And the couch was really ugly. And he brought it in with his friends or whoever was helping him bring it in. And he asked her, oh, honey, like, what do you think of the couch? And she was like, oh you know, this is interesting. And then she's like, babe, why don't you meet me outside in the car in a second? And so he walks out of the house and then she tells the guys what to do with the couch, but she doesn't embarrass him. She doesn't say it in front of them. Like, oh, this is horrible. Why did you pick this? She waited. And that's a lot of what femininity means. Like knowing the right time to say things, knowing how to say you don't like something in a way that's not going to make him feel stupid or um, belittle him or embarrass him. And, um, you know, finding another way to get him away without being so obvious. It's really something that when you start paying attention to, it'll become easier, but you have to have the heart for it. You have to want to not embarrass him, right? So a lot of it has to do with you putting yourself, you putting him first, so you putting someone else before yourself. Um, something my mom always did, and I remember it, and I and I tried to do it in my own life, but whenever we would come home from school, she was always doing something wrong. She was always in a very relaxed state, like doing her work, but she was never running around the house. She was never like running around yelling or doing things that were just like jolting. She was always just very calm. And I would come in her room like, what are you like, what are you doing? And she's like, oh, I'm working. I'm like, you're working 
And she'd always laugh and she'd always say, you know, I do this on purpose. I bring myself down to the into this calm for you, for, for you guys, so that when you come home, you're not coming home to chaos. You're not coming home to someone who's too busy to talk to you. You're coming home to a mother who is open and ready to listen to you if you want to tell me something or you know, if, if we had to tell her something and she was in the middle of something, she would never, I don't, there's not one time I can ever think of that. She would say, come back or let me finish this first. Never, literally not once my whole life. She would always put whatever she's doing aside and let me know, like, you're more important to me than anything. And that is femininity. Like you have to be able to put other people before yourself and, be in a state where you're approachable, be in a state where you're open, um, be in a state where when your husband comes home, you're not ready to attack him with a bunch of questions and to do's and all of that kind of thing, but you're relaxing. You could be working, but you're in a relaxed state. You look approachable. You're not in his face and you're not um, doing things around the house that are just causing it to feel very busy. So um, it really is an art. It's something that you just have to work on, but you can't work on something you don't understand. So you really do have to understand it because it's not just about painting your nails and wearing dresses, even though that is part of it. That is part of it. That is not, you could be a woman who doesn't wear any makeup and doesn't wear any dresses and doesn't paint her nails and still be very feminine by the way that you walk, by the way that you move, by smiling, by asking people, would you like a glass of water? You know, just being in your womanly state. You know, I, <laughs> for people who truly, if a person did not understand what it was to be feminine in terms of behavior, I would say watch men when they, when they mimic women. When you see the men on Instagram or wherever, even like, your brother, when they try to make fun of women and how they act and they, and they do all this and they're like, ah, mm, yeah. all of that, all of that, what they're doing is feminine behavior. It's femininity. They're trying to pretend to be girly. And that is essentially what it is. Um, it's that. And then when they do it you look at them and you're like, please stop <laughs> because it's, it goes so against their nature, right. To act that way. Now there are feminine characteristics like feminine energies but in terms of femininity that is something that god gave us a gift to women it comes very naturally to us unless you're fighting it and people tend to fight it because society tells them that it makes them weak or their family makes fun of them if you have a family that is very masculine and that kind of thing when you start to care about the way you look, when you're not abrasive, when you're not loud, it you may not feel comfortable being yourself because you're afraid that they're going to look at you and, and make fun of you or ask you why you're acting like that. So a lot of us really fight against our own nature for things that we don't even consider. So I'm just going to um, look through the comments. Yes, I'm excited for my new series too. It, um, is 28 too old to live with your mother if you two are completely different people? I don't think that there's an age. It depends. I mean, some cultures you live with your parents until you get married. So I don't think that there's an age in terms of women. But it depends on where you are financially. 
it depends on if the household is, if you can move out, like if you can afford to, you should, if you can, in order to just to gain that sense of autonomy and independence, especially if the person's toxic, then yeah, I would, I wouldn't want you to be with anyone who's toxic. Um, but if you're just different, you can make it work. Yeah. Toxic mothers do make it hard to be feminine. That's very true because they're going to be looking down on you and they're going to make you feel like what you're doing is silly. But I'm hoping that uh, this book will help you to understand why that's important and how that helps you and how God can use you with your natural design and make things easier for you with your natural design. So I want to just go through quickly because I know it's been almost an hour. I want to go through the declarations that she gives us in chapter one about what you can say. So she gives us actual declarations that you can speak instead of making up your own affirmations, which are fine. These are declarations and prayers to heal, heal trauma and to activate a spirit of triumph. So taking yourself from trauma to triumph. And I'm just going to read some of them so you can hear what they are. And maybe you can purchase the book. So I declare that my light has come. No longer will I sit in darkness. For the Lord is releasing heavenly revelation and illuminating to me. My purpose is getting clear. I am a woman who has mental, emotional, and spiritual fortitude. New strength is arising within I choose to move forward in the face of trauma. I will sustain a sense of personal meaning in life. I will not be destroyed by the events that happened to me. I receive inner strength to overcome. I declare that I will not let difficult or traumatic events define and derail my destiny. I will not allow a spirit of bitterness, hurt, and unforgiveness to rule my life. I refuse to have a victim's mentality. I am strong and able to withstand opposition. I will continue blessing and serving the Lord and others, even in the midst of storms and crises. I am the arrow of deliverance that the Lord is polishing to strategically shoot from his quiver. I am a woman who is able to bear up under pressure and adversity. I am conspicuous, distinguished, outstanding, and preeminent. I will shine bright like a diamond for the glory of the king or for the king of glory. So these are some declarations that you can say. And there's also a prayer here that I will pray at the very end after I look through the comments and just answer a couple questions. Now is the time if you have anything that you read in the chapter that stood out to you, or if you have some questions, you can go ahead and ask and I'll spend some time answering some questions. Um, and we're meeting again. Usually we're going to be meeting Mondays and Wednesdays, but this week we're going to meet on Thursday instead of Wednesday because it's my mom's birthday. How do you determine your gifts? Well, there are a lot of ways to do it. I would say the most direct answer is to think about the thing that you would do every single day. If you didn't even get paid, you would do it. You absolutely love it. The thing that just makes you excited and people tell you you're good at. 
So it could be anything. It could be something artistic. It could be that you're a great listener. It could be a thing that maybe you're a great speaker. Um, and some people, let me tell you, are not great speakers. And until they decide to seek God, God can open their eyes to the fact that they're supposed to be speakers. They're supposed to be working for the Lord. So maybe you have a stutter, maybe you have a lisp, maybe you just can't seem to get words out. There are a lot of things that God can do or the enemy can do that can restrict you from speaking. And so maybe you think that you're not a speaker and that goes in, in any category. There may be things about you that you're like, I would do this, but I can't do it. And that's when you really need to pray and fast and ask God to release and reveal that to you. Um, because if you look at Moses, he was asked to speak and he's like, and you know, I can't speak. Like I have a stutter and God's like, well, who do you think gave you the stutter? You know, I'm going to allow someone else to go with you and allow that person to speak with you, but you're still going to do what I asked you to do. Um, and so God can use you even in the things that you think are holding you back from what you want to do. And then I also would say, think about what bothers you. What, what upsets you in life? Like what really gets to you? Like, is it when you see a homeless person on the street? Is it when you see a call, a student from another country that can't pay for college? Is it when you see a child who doesn't have a mother? Like what really gets you fired up? Um, for me, what, what's always gotten me fired up is women not knowing how to deal with men, not knowing how to, uh, be with a man, treat a man, deal with a man, uh, bounce back from a man, and also women not knowing or feeling like they can be powerful and beautiful. That has always upset me, and people would seek me out for that just in my day-to-day -day life, walking down the street. That seems to have always been <laughs> the thing people sought me out for, and then they would say, like, you give really good advice, and it was like a theme and I discounted it for years, but um, it ended up kind of coming together when the time was right. So I would say, think about something that really bothers you because essentially when the Lord created you, he created you to solve a problem. There is a problem that everyone is born to fix. And that's how we have all the creations that we have now. The fact that I can even speak to you right now from everywhere that you live is a problem that someone was born to fix. Someone created the internet. Someone created a computer. Someone created the ability to have audio. Someone, every single thing that's in this world right now, someone created it. So everyone was born to fix some sort of problem. You just have to figure out what yours is. Um, homeless, homeless. Yeah. The homeless have always been close to my heart too. I, I always been very touched by people who are homeless. Let's see. And thank you for praying for one another. Prayer is so important. It's the most, the single most important thing for you to do. It changes everything. Prayer is not just, it's not some spiritual activity. Um, prayer is business. It's a business meeting that you are having with God and you are making things happen here on earth through your, your connection. So prayer is very necessary. Um, people who are addicted to drugs and alcohol, that's, that is so beautiful. 
because a lot of a lot of the things that you're telling me in these comments are the very things that people are running away from. I was having dinner with some of my friends and family, and there was a a homeless man walking down the street, and he was like talking to himself really loud and being very disruptive, and everyone was just laughing, taking out their phones, and I was like, "Come on, like." we need to pray for this person. We need to like, we shouldn't be making fun of him, recording him. But I think the natural response from this culture is to do that. And until you can really, um, until you can really be touched by God in that way, your heart can be changed to actually care about people. Because some of you ladies don't even like people. You don't like people. And that's why you can't help anyone because you don't like them. Or, you don't trust them or you have so much anxiety. You can't even imagine fulfilling your purpose because you're too scared to talk to people. So, I mean, there's so many things that hold you back from what God wants you to do. And until you break those things, he can't move you. Trust me when I tell you this, because this is my first live. I, me doing this whole thing right now, I was not trying to do this. But I had to break out of my, I was not going to let fear or anything hold me back from helping you guys. Like helping you ladies was more serious to me than me feeling uncomfortable doing this. And a lot of times that's just where it starts. Like you just have to start and God will help you with everything. So you really can't allow like you, you stopping yourself from doing what God's asked you to do is preventing someone else from doing what they have to do. I told um, Joshua and Joshua has been so amazing, by the way, he's the one who started my podcast without him. I would have never done a podcast. And so it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, I had to constantly get pushed into things I didn't want to do. I want to just eat ice cream and read books you know, and that's about it for the most part. But I know that if I don't do this, then there's so many of you who are born to be scientists, actors, models, moms, dentists, judges, police officers that need something to be healed first. And if this is what, if this is what it takes, this is what helps you to get empowered into your purpose, then it's worth me being very uncomfortable or, or not being able to do the, the silly things that I want to do. And that goes for all of you. The fact that you're not doing whatever it is you're supposed to be doing is preventing someone else from having a different kind of life. Everything rests in your hands because you're important and you're very powerful. So um, you're afraid because people, because you think people will hurt you. Yes. I mean, that is, and fear is not from God. That's the thing. Whenever you're afraid, remember, the Lord has not given you a spirit of fear. When you have that, that's not from God. That is from the devil. So you have to cancel that out with prayer. And God will strengthen you. And he will be with you. And he will empower you to know and, and have the ability to shut that fear down. Because fear is real. And that's what grips people. Is fear. That's. I think most people don't do what they want to do because of fear, different kinds of fear. So you must break out of that. That is not from God. The only the only one you should be fearing is God. 
and not fearing in a scared way, but fearing in reverence. But if you're fearing someone besides him, that's disrespectful because he's the only one that you should fear in that kind of way in terms of um, doing something different. Yeah, Josh, I'll tell Joshua you said thank you. Yeah, Joshua's amazing. And interestingly enough, like if if I would have, if Joshua would have been my partner years ago and he would have said to do this podcast and not only did he say it but he did it for me like in the middle of the night he asked me like what I wanted it to be called he downloaded the audio from all of my videos and and posted it so I couldn't even say like oh I don't want to get started it was already started he started it and the next day I woke up and it's like he's like oh you're you have a podcast now and took care of everything it was so amazing but years ago, I could have looked at that as like, oh, you're trying to control me. You're trying to get in. This is my thing. You know, that attitude a lot of women have because they, they don't know what it's like for a man to lead them. They don't know how to take um, positive direction. They don't know how to, they don't know the difference between partnership, leadership, and control. And so they block a lot of great things from happening to them because they're more caught up and you're not going to control me. So um, that's something to really, really think about. But I will tell him you said thank you. Um, let's see. The fear is a spiritual recognition, right? The fear of God is a spiritual, rec- it's, a, it's a reverence. It's saying because you said not to do this or because I love you so much, I'm going to do this. Um, but it's not a scared kind of fear. Um, how do you start being lonely? Regret. How do you deal with loneliness, regret while trying to find your purpose? Honestly, it is through having a relationship with God. It's got a lot of these things. You can't fix yourself. There are no amount of self-help books or psychologists that are going to help you. And I'm saying that as a psychologist, <laughs> I'm a PhD and I can tell you that's not going to heal you. They are going to ask you to do it yourself, ask you a ton of questions. They're going to tell you what's wrong with you. And then they're going to tell you to fix it in their own way. And that's, you know, it's, it's helpful for a lot of people who have no idea, but it's not going to heal you. That can only be done by God. So you need to seek your creator, your father, you know, and he will heal you. He will take it off of you. He will literally take it off of you like it was never there. But you have to have a relationship there and depend on him. Um, I would say become full of yourself, full of life, self-love, goal-getting to the point where you're so occupied. Mm -hmm. Once you seek God and you ask him to take that off of you and you start pursuing what your purpose is, you won't have time to feel lonely. You will feel so busy because you'll have this burden on your heart to do something and you will get going and you won't even have time to be alone or feel lonely. You're never alone, by the way. But loneliness is is, is something that we put on ourselves because we're not occupied with pursuing our purpose. Um, as a Christian, do you think as a Christian, we should only have Christian therapists? It's okay if they're the opposite gender. In terms of gender, I do not think that matters. 
I think for some people, as a matter of fact, sometimes it helps when they're not the same gender, they feel more comfortable or they get a different insight. So gender, I don't think that matters. Having only a Christian therapist? No, not necessarily. I think it's best to have a Christian therapist because they can give you the the scientific knowledge and then they can also give you the biblical knowledge. They can give you scriptures to stand on. They can pray with you. If they have the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit can work through them to transform you. So I would I would definitely prefer a Christian therapist because I believe that you would have a faster recovery, so to speak, um, or you, there would be more power in those sessions. But I don't think that it really matters if you have a relationship with God yourself, that the God will use a therapist to help you, right? So really the, the key is you having God as your safety, your refuge, your strength, all of that. Do I believe in sex before marriage? No, I do not. I have a video on that. You can watch it. Um, I don't believe you should be having sex until you are married for so many reasons. There are, uh, there's a laundry list of reasons why you shouldn't. And you don't need to. You don't need to. That's that's the bottom line. You don't need to. When I see the comments under that particular video, it breaks my heart. I see so many women who didn't even want to but felt like they needed to and felt like they didn't have a reason to say no. And got themselves into all kinds of situations. I mean, this is just, um, I can give, I can do another video if you want me to on all the reasons why you shouldn't. But the answer is no. I do not believe in sex before marriage. If you've already had sex before marriage, you just stop. At any point in your life, you just literally stop. You stop and you repent. You Repenting means to change your thinking, change your mind go the other direction and recognize, okay, I was doing this. I don't want to anymore, or I don't think it's right anymore. And you stop. You do not have to answer the phone calls of people who you used to sleep with. You don't have to be bothered by people who want to try to convince you. You make a decision and you stick to it. You show up for yourself and you stop allowing other people to dictate what you do with your life and your body. Um, what are some, what are some signs that someone's addicted to suffering? I don't know. I think that sometimes some people enjoy that feeling because some people don't feel. And sometimes when you've been heartbroken or you've been hurt, there's this feeling that just resides in your chest and you feel it all day. Sometimes you can shut it down, but you can always tap into that feeling, that pain. Some people don't like listening to like love songs because of that. There are certain love songs, even if you're not heartbroken, you listen to it, you just, <laughs> you just feel sad and you like that feeling. Sometimes you want to feel like that, right? That feeling right there, it's some people like that feeling because it's comfortable. They've been in there so long that it's like touching like a sore wound, some people say that when they have like a wound or when they have like a tender spot, they like to like touch it sometimes because it gives them the sensation. Some people need that, that emotional sensation because they don't have anything else in their life. And so they keep touching it. And I don't know if addiction is the right word, but some people do like the comfort in feeling something. Um, because up until then, they probably didn't feel much. 
Um, hard to fight temptation. Temptation is hard to fight because it's power. There's that, there's spiritual power there. And once you open the door to that, you've opened the door to a lot of spiritual things that are going to hold on to you, especially if you haven't changed your mind. If you haven't repented and truly said, I don't want to do this anymore, and you're doing it just because someone said to or whatever, then you're going to like it. And when you like something and you you want to do it, it stays longer because the enemy is like, you invited me here. I was watching a pastor talk about a, a deliverance he did wonderful pastor and he was just telling me that or he was speaking about it i think it was Derek prince he passed away but he was talking about a deliverance that he did for someone and it was i think an addiction of some sort and he was able to actually get the demons to respond and the demons inside of this person they said i'm we're not going anywhere she invited us here she likes this you know and sometimes there are things about ourselves that we do not like and do not want and there are some things that we know are wrong, but we do like and we do want, and we're not ready to let it go. And there is a difference. So until you change your, your mind, until you repent and really say, I don't want it anymore, I, I you're fighting, I mean, it's like you're fighting against yourself and you're not really even fighting at all. Um, and God is never going to go against your will. God will always give you free will. So if you really like it, and you're not really ready to let it go. And you're asking God to let it. It's like, he's not going to go against your will, but he will help you when you're ready to let it go. So um, the, she asked, what video is it that I'm talking about? It's called the whole phase, the H-O-E, the whole phase. So if you want to watch it, you can find it. Do you believe that God will send you your soulmate 31 years later? I do not believe God sends soulmates. I don't believe that. I think God brings different people to you in your life and you make the decision on who you want to be with. I don't believe God picks your partner for you because then that would be going against your free will. And then he's responsible for your mistakes. If, if you say, oh God, you sent me this person, <laughs> then you can blame him when you pick the wrong guy. He does not send you a soulmate. He sends you different people and presents them to you and you decide even adam and eve eve was not god did not say adam this is your wife he presented her and then he was the one who decided to be with her he presented but he presented her when you read the hebrew text the word was to present um so i i but i do believe that god will continue presenting people to you i don't believe that he will just stop but you have to be able to recognize who those people are. And you have to also be developed enough for God to send you someone great. Because if you're not, I personally believe God loves his children, which is all of us, but I'm talking about the men. I believe God loves his children so much that he would not be presenting someone so grand for you to ruin for you to ruin with your problems, like your insecurities or be cheating on him, all the things that you're struggling with, you need to be flushed out um, if you want to have someone fantastic because I believe God loves his children too much to be presenting them to someone who's going to, who is 
wired to be hurting them because they're not healed. Which Bible do you use to read the Hebrew text? So there are Bibles that are in, I'll, I'll find those, I'll find a way to link it. I'll do a post and I'll post the different Bibles that you can get that'll help you because sometimes it's good to read things in in a different text so you can hear the exact wording. How to intentionally become a Proverbs 31 woman. Well, you can first, once you read it, you can go through it line by line and start incorporating those things into your life. So it says that she rises early, right? So start working on waking up earlier and preparing your house, preparing your day, preparing your food, getting things organized. Um, so it, I would say just go line by line and of course, pray pray on it, meditate on it. Meditating on it is just like reading it, taking it in. Just It could just be one line that you read the whole month. You're stuck on one line, but you're just really letting that one uh, scripture manifest in your life. That's good. No kissing before marriage. Wow. That's, yeah, you, you don't have to do anything you don't want to do. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see. Yeah. And if you've gone through trauma, especially sexual trauma at a young age or experienced something like that, it will, it can, not it will, it can disrupt your um, sexual preferences your sexual behaviors. And sadly, that's something that you obviously did not deserve. But the enemy, again, will try and take certain things to try and steer you in the wrong path. And those very things God will use to empower you and to help other people with. So um, never give up on that. And, you know, don't allow the enemy to win because he's already lost. Demonic spirits, you, you can fast. Fasting is the best way to get rid of any anything inside of you that God didn't put in you. Get rid of it by fasting and praying. Um, you can, I mean, there are people, there are pastors and people out there that can also lay hands on you and pray for you. Like with that, I would just recommend that you obviously use your discernment and know who's doing it and, and all of that. You want me to read up? Scroll up and read your comment, Mile High Empress. Can you write it again? Because there's, okay, I think I found it. But with your husband, 11 years straight, no infidelity on either side. How do I know he is the one God chose for me? I see possible signs that maybe I should go, but God doesn't like divorce. Well, first of all, have you sought God out? Have you prayed on it? Have you fasted on it? How much time do you spend with God? Can you hear him talking to you? That's number one. There are books. There's a really nice book on Amazon. I think it's called 21 Days of Fasting and Praying for My Husband. I I think I have that book in my list of books to read. But again, I'll post that book. But it's a whole month of fasting and praying for your marriage. And it's really, really powerful. Um, But taking it into your own hands and taking it seriously to fight the enemy. Because remember, the enemy hates marriage. It wasn't until Adam was married that Satan attacked them. You know, Adam was there with the tree and the animals and doing whatever he was doing in the garden before 
I mean, the enemy could have come up to Adam the first day and convinced him to eat the fruit. He waited until he was married to try to disrupt things. The enemy has hated marriage from the very beginning because he understands the power of marriage and what a married couple can do for the kingdom of God. And understanding marriage is also going to be important for you. You have to understand why God created marriage. What is it for? And it's not it's great to be in love and, and all of that. That's that's great. But there's a bigger purpose. There's a kingdom purpose behind marriage and understanding how you and your partner can work together to be able to fulfill the purpose that he had for bringing you together. Because when you're together, you're one spirit, you're one person. And that one person is being attacked every day from the devil so that you can hate each other, so you can wish you had someone else, so that you regret your choices, and just to keep you down. So his whole plan is to pin you against your husband. So there's so much, there's so many spiritual things behind that. Do you and your husband pray together? And then I don't know what it is that's making you say that there's some, that there are certain things that you're seeing that, you know, you're questioning, and how serious those things are. Um, So God does hate divorce. He does hate divorce. And, you know, he did say that marriage is a mystery. So there are things about marriage that we don't necessarily understand that he does. But if you are one spirit, if you are one person, that to me also just sounds so deep that I can't even wrap my mind around what that means. Um, If you're becoming one spiritually, I heard another pastor talking about how there was a woman and her husband was involved in the occult, tarot reading, uh, fortune telling, all of, all of that stuff. He was involved in, in all of those witchcraft type behaviors and he died. And the wife was being attacked spiritually, having nightmares, having um, all kinds of things, feeling fearful, depression, all these things were happening to her after her husband died. And when he was able to have clarity on the situation, he was able to seek God and and understood that the devils and the demons were sticking on to his wife, even after he died, because when they got married, they they became one spirit. So whatever was on him spiritually got onto her or stayed attached to her because it was all, it was so wicked. Right. So um, I don't fully understand the idea of being one spiritually in marriage, but I do know that it's something so serious to God that he said he hates it. So um, I would definitely pray about it and pray with your husband and fast fasting is so important we'll talk about that in in esther's story it's so powerful and it's so necessary so you're very welcome thank you so much yes i pray the holy spirit will give you wisdom through all of this so okay it's almost eight o'clock i know it's getting late so i'm gonna go ahead and wrap up for tonight i'm so thankful for all of you ladies that joined me today i'm gonna just read this prayer so you can join me um you can just close your eyes or if you have the book you can read it too i'm gonna read the prayer at the end and then on thursday i'll be back 
because I didn't really get any times from you ladies as to what time works. So I'll be back at 6.30 on Thursday. So this is a prayer. You can close your eyes and just listen. Lord, you are my refuge and my strength, my very present help in a time of adversity. I embrace your healing and deliverance. You are the glory and the lifter of my head. The brightness of God's countenance is turned towards me. I am the apple of your eye, and the favor and glory of the Lord will arise over me. Lord, clothe me in a mantle of dignity and strength. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. So, thank you so much, ladies, for all being here today. Thank you for, for joining me. And make sure this week that you just think about the things that God put on your heart, the fact that God has called you as a woman of his own creation, one that he designed before the beginning of time. He knew he was going to send you to do something powerful here on this earth, and he's equipped you for it. He loves you so, so, so much, and he just wants you to come back to him, and he will help you with every single thing that you need. As I always say, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things shall be added onto you. If you seek the kingdom first, remember, God is a king. God is a king. And you are his daughter. You are his queen. And he will give you a crown. <laughs> he will give you a crown to wear for the rest of your life. And once you're able to seek him, you'll be able to figure out why everything had to happen. I love you. And I will see you in the next video on Thursday. Bye.